What's up, world? What's up, world? It's Pastor Free, and I am logging on, excited about another Friday edition of the Free Indeed Fridays podcast. And I've got many friends and family members who are on uh, Facebook Live and on Instagram. And I see you. Big shout out to you. Go ahead and let me know where you are what you're doing. Uh, hopefully, if you're in the car, I can get you through this traffic, make it a little more tolerable, tolerable, bearable, if you will. I see Pastor Isaac Grant Jr. on. Say you listening. God bless you, Pastor Grant. I thank God for you getting on. But somebody else, let me know where you are, what you got going on, what you're doing. Wyona Crenshaw. Uh, yes, it is a good uh, Friday, a Friday evening. And I'm glad that you were able to jump on. Say something to me. I'll talk back to you real quick. I see my boy Cali from Texas. He said, I'm just chilling. Man, I hit you up last night because I was trying to play ball. I was in the gym uh, and I was trying to ball. We were going to hustle like uh, the duck and, and I forgot the other guy name. My white man can't jump. I was trying to get you to come through so that we could get it in and you didn't respond to me. Anyway, uh, it's another Free Indeed Fridays podcast. Free Indeed and We're Friday. about to go all the way in. This is your boy, Pastor Free, Deshard Freeman. Uh, Sister Lisa, hey, how are you? Sister Kenny, how are you at the crib doing some last-minute work? She gave her subdivision. I ain't going to call it out. Ain't no telling who going to hear it and come looking for you in your subdivision, Sister Kenny. Listen, as a part of the Free Indeed Fridays podcast, I give you an opportunity to ask Pastor Free. You can ask me any question uh, concerning ministry, leadership, family, um, you know, what my actual hair color is. Whatever uh, interests you, if you want to ask, you can send it to the Free Indeed Ministries inbox on Instagram and on Facebook, and I will respond to those questions at the end of the segment. We're about to have us a good time real quick, and you know how we get it jumped off. Free fun. Funny. Free funny. So check this out. I got a couple of jokes for you. This is called How to Get to Heaven. How to Get to Heaven. So a teacher asked the children in her Sunday school class, if I sold my house and my car, had a big garage sale and gave all my money to the church, would I get into heaven? No, the children answered. Well, if I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard, and kept everything neat and tidy, would I get into heaven? Again, the answer was no. Well, she continued, then how can I get to heaven? In the back of the room, a five-year-old boy shouted out, you've got to be dead first. <laughs> Free funny. Yeah. I'm going to find those automated laughs and I'm going to put them in there. Let's try one more time. So, uh, this one is called Sunday Funnies. Sunday Funnies. I see Sister Phyllis Sterling on. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. And I pray that you are doing well as well. This is called Sunday Funnies. So, a little girl dressed in her Sunday best was running as fast as she could, trying not to be late for Bible class. And as she ran, she prayed, dear Lord, please don't let me be late. Dear Lord, please don't let me be late. And as she was running and praying, she tripped on a curb and fell, getting her clothes dirty and tearing her dress. And she got up, brushed herself off and started running again. As she ran, she once again began to pray, dear Lord, please don't let me be late. But this time, please don't push me down either. <laughs> All right. So free funny. Y'all laugh back at your boy. Ha, 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 ha. All right. So uh, I'm about to play some music. 
Y'all know a part of our segment is uh, me sharing what I call free time music. Um, some of it will be music that I've personally written, produced, recorded, performed. Uh, and then other times it will be opportunities for me to spotlight artists that I've been exposed to that I want to expose you to. But until February the 27th, I'm going to be playing music um, that will be off of the Trauma record. I'm releasing a, a project on February the 27th, which is my birthday. And the project will consist of a DVD of sermons from a sermon series we preach called Trauma. Uh, but then also companion to the DVD set, there will be a disc of about 10 songs uh, that deal with various life trauma situations. And so for this particular song I'm about to play today, I brought in uh, one of Austin's finest, Miss um, Dion Arnold. She came in, we've done work together, and this is the first time I've ever asked her to come in and feature on one of my projects. Uh, actually, she's on the Loveless soundtrack also, but it's the first time we've done a, a recorded duet together. So uh, I asked her to come in, and this song is called Paul, My Life. Uh, remember, all of the trauma record um, songs are titled after a biblical character that experienced some type of trauma, and then they have a sub name, if, if you will. And so this uh, song basically talks about surviving the trauma of violence. And uh, I'm super excited. I'm going to let you hear a piece of it. I'm going to let the song play at least until it gets into her verse. Then I'm going to cut it off because I don't want to give it all away. But turn your listening ears on one time. This is Paul, My Life. This one starts with a news clipping as well. I can tell CBS News that 15 to 20 people were killed in a mass shooting in El Paso. It happened at a Walmart store. Congresswoman Veronica Escobar. This just happened last year, actually. Thank you for keeping my life. That's Dion Arnold, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and be free. Oh, I can't believe it happened. That's kind of crazy. This world is going crazy. Yeah. I shouldn't be here today. But the grace of God has saved me. But the grace of God saved me. A random Saturday. Shopping at the mall. Shopping at the mall. Big shout out to LaVesta White, P.I. P.I. Productions, who is doing the mixing and the mastering for the project.
right, that's enough. That's Paul. <laughs> Why y'all always look like that when I cut it off? I'm not going to play the whole thing because they got to buy the whole thing. But that was Paul, my life, and it deals with overcoming the trauma of violent situations. Those who have known what it's like to be in hostile situations or deal with any type of violence uh, where your life was threatened. Uh, I cannot personally say that I've uh, had that experience up close and personal, but I do know that individuals uh, who I know and who I love have been in situations where their life was in jeopardy and God spared and protected. My thought process is whenever God preserves us, he preserves us with a purpose. There is a reason that your last day wasn't your last day. God has a purpose and a plan for your existence, and he keeps and preserves us for that plan. And so I know because of the fact that I'm still alive that God has a plan for my life, and I believe he has a plan for your life too. That's why you're looking at me, talking to you right now, because God has a plan for your life. So let's get to the free rant real quick. Free Those rant. of you uh, who know Dion Arnold, let her know. Listen, we was on the Free Indeed Friday podcast, and we heard you tan it up, girl, tan it up. Uh, so uh, look forward to that. February 27th, the Free Indeed uh, Ministries will release the Trauma sermon series on DVD, and then the trauma record. I'm super excited about it. Time for some free rant. Listen, today you saw in the title, uh, I'm calling this uh, podcast free rant, The Bipolar Believer. The Bipolar Believer. I'm going to read from the book of Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read a pretty lengthy little piece. And for those of you who don't want to hear me read a bunch of Bible, shame on you. Uh, because we need to spend more time reading the word. I'm going to read the word, then I'm going to give you a couple uh, remarks concerning bipolar believers. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, I'll start there. It says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself 
Um, in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin, the bipolar believer. I know as you were listening to me read, uh, you were like, that's a whole lot going on right there. It's like, I want to do this, but then I don't want to do it. And I feel like doing it, but then I really don't feel like doing it. And I say I'm a go, but then I don't end up going. I'm up, but then I kind of feel down and I'm in, but then I'm kind of out at the same time. It's a whole lot of interesting dynamics at work in Paul's writing in Romans chapter seven. But as confusing and as interesting as the read is, most of you of you to be honest can testify you know what that's me so one of the harsh realities of life uh, that we rarely admit is that being a christian is hard it's hard as hell that's the good thing about not being on like the radio nothing i can say hell with a with, with with my chest it's hard as hell being a christian is hard for those of you who are watching this with your children i'm sorry it's hard as hell y'all because the bible is filled with things that we shouldn't do a lot of stuff that we're not supposed to do and the truth of the matter is the world is filled with a lot of things that we want to do i want to run out and do this real quick but the word keeps telling me don't now, consequently there is this ongoing wrestling match between our fleshly desires and our faithful devotion. There's this ongoing tug of war, a struggle between what you know you ought to be doing and the lackadaisical nature of your flesh or the things you know you shouldn't do and your sinful appetite. It's almost frustrating to know that the things you've done don't seem like a fair representation of who you are. I don't believe I'm by myself. Is there anybody else out there that will honestly say that there are some things that you've done in your life that you're not proud of? They were definitely not a real or true representation of who you are or at least who you want to be. It's even more frustrating to know that in all of your faith and love for God, you should still be careful saying what you would never do. I tell my congregation this all the time. Stop saying what you'll never do. Because the, the devil has a field day when you start talking about what you'll never do. Because then he starts saying, okay, cool. You think you got this under, under your belt? You think that you cannot be tempted in this way? So you, you better be careful saying what you never do. Because most of us on here, and this is why I need you to holler back. If you're on Facebook Live or Instagram, respond in some kind of way. Give me some hearts, some likes. If you know that there are things in your life that you said you would never do, and you ended up doing them. And not just once, they became a habit to you. Um, because the truth of the matter is, this is where the rubber meets the road. We're all bipolar, bipolar believers. In, in a clinical sense, the, the, the term bipolar has to do with having or relating to two poles or extremes. Um, it's a psychiatric illness, and it cate it's categorized by both the manic and depressive episodes bipolar uh, you you met you uh, manifest in two extremes of behavior and the truth of the matter is this seems to be an accurate description of us as believers and i'm saying us uh, because i'm including myself and i would imagine that i'm not by myself um, and so here it is the truth of the matter is i say i'm gonna be loving but then somebody get on my last black nerve. Well, well, my nerves ain't black. They're more like caramel complected. They get on my, my caramel complected nerve, and then uh, something that is hateful comes out. 
bipolar. I, I, I say I'm, I'm going to go hard, I'm going to grind, I'm going to work, I'm going to get this done. And then before I know it, I've become lackadaisical and lazy and, and procrastinated. I'm talking about being bipolar. It's interesting that I know church people who can be so encouraging, so inspirational, so uplifting in one breath, and then be gossipers to tear down others in the next breath. As believers, we are bipolar. There are some who say, I'm going to walk in holiness because holiness is right. And I want you to know holiness is right. God says, be ye holy for I am holy. But then before the night is over, your holiness has turned into holiness. H-O-E-L-Y. Anyway, you, you get what I'm saying. Bipolar believers, that, that some folk who, who are sober-minded, sober in their thought, can't sleep at night without getting drunk. Bipolar in, in their behavior. And, and I find consolation, encouragement, instruction in the word of God because Paul tells us that we're not by ourselves in our bipolarness. As a matter of fact, he also says, I've got some bipolar behavior that keeps showing up. Three things I'm going to give you, then we'll move on. The first thing he says is that we are drawn to what is wrong. We are drawn to what is wrong. The truth of the, the matter is the reason we struggle with sin is because sin is appealing. Sin is good. Sin is like candy. You know you don't need it. And you know it's bad for you. It's bad for your teeth. Are you sitting over there eating candy while I'm standing? Oh, no, I was just... Oh, she said, no, it's nothing wrong with it. It's a perfect, <laughs> perfect example that we put things in our body that are not good for us because they taste good. But the things that taste good may not be good. And on the flip side, things that are good may not taste good. I can't stand vegetables. I don't like greens, carrots, cauliflower, broccoli, none of that. But I know it's good for me. And so why is it that as humans, we are drawn to what is wrong? You don't have to teach a child to like candy. They're going to figure that out all on their own because it's in our nature to want nonsense. Paul essentially says, I keep finding myself struggling, going after the stuff that I know I don't need. I've made up in my mind. I don't want it. I shouldn't have it. It's going to be detrimental for me. But before I know it, I'm chasing, I'm pursuing, I'm spending money I don't have trying to acquire it because it's in our nature to want nonsense. You ought to holler back at your boy real quick. The truth of the matter is all of us, if we were to be honest, can look around in our lives and see where we're allowing things to take up space and residence in our lives that are simply nonsense. It's not good for us because we're drawn to what's wrong. But not only are we drawn to what's wrong, Paul says that we also desire something higher. Right? This is where the, the bipolarness in believers come in. Because when Jesus Christ comes into your heart, he takes up residence. The Holy Spirit uh, begins to overtake you and to navigate your circumstances. Even though there's this natural tendency to lean toward what's not good for you, there's something inside of you that no longer wants that old stuff. It's, it's the strangest thing in the world. Your flesh is saying you need this, but then your spirit is saying, no, you really don't need that. That's a part of who you were, not a part of who you are. And so in Christ, there is this divine uh, shift that takes place in our desires. Anybody out there know what it's like to, you know, back in the day, you'd be the first one to put your hands on somebody or cuss somebody out uh, for coming at you sideways. But now it's like, even when you do it, because, you know, maybe you ain't been completely 
completely delivered. You still cussing people out. You still fighting. But afterwards, you don't feel the same. You're like, man, I didn't have to do that. I did not have to go to jail tonight. I could have made a better decision in God because the spirit starts convicting us from the inside and there's a divine shift in our desires. You start wanting to have healthy relationships, wanting to be loving and kind and peaceful, wanting to accomplish and produce, wanting to not allow negative conversation to come out of your mouth. It's just something about growing up that causes you, especially when you grow up in God, to say, you know, things ought to be better. That that the, that your uh, the Holy Spirit, which the world calls a conscience, starts to to mess with you. Uh, as a believer, I don't believe in my conscience. I believe it's the Spirit of God that starts to agitate and trouble me when I'm outside of His will. So Paul says we've got this wrestling match going on between the works of my flesh and the desires of my spirit, man. Now here's the interesting part about it. Paul says that when I feel bad about doing bad, I am simply affirming the fact that God's law is right. Whenever I feel bad about doing bad, that's my spirit man affirming the fact that God's standard is right. And the truth of the matter is God never asked us to do anything that's going to hurt us. He never asked us to do anything that's wrong. He only asked us to do what's in our best interest. And so it's only our flesh uh, that doesn't want the things of God uh, because our spirit man honestly begins to desire after those things. And that's why um, sometimes what manifests is a very bipolar uh, experience because you cut somebody out and then you go to crying because you sad that you did it. Just, just doesn't make sense. But that Holy Ghost is 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 wrestling with the with the the other you and, and, and it becomes a very complicated experience. So we're drawn to what is wrong. We desire something higher. Third thing. And then I'll move on. We need a savior because of our nature. We need a savior because of our nature. Paul says, I can acknowledge I've got this weird wrestling match going on between my physical man and my spiritual man. And the truth of the matter is my physical man be winning. Now, let me throw this in here parenthetically, because there are some who believe um, that you can reach a point in your faith walk where you don't sin anymore. Uh, I wore a shirt uh, two weeks ago preaching in the sermon series that said, I am a sinner. The back says saved by grace. And I've actually had debates with people who call themselves theologians who would say that you shouldn't say I am a sinner. Because if you've been saved by grace, you are no longer a sinner. But to me, that's a lie because the Bible doesn't say that I am no longer a sinner because I've been saved by grace. Uh, because the truth of the matter is, even in my saved state, I still sin. And there are some people who would say that they don't sin anymore. And to me, when you the moment you say that, you're lying, and that's a sin. And, and the truth of the matter is, no matter how long I've been a Christian, no matter how much time I spend in the Word, no matter how the Spirit chooses to use me, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. And Paul, in Romans chapter 7, doesn't talk about what used to be. This is the apostle who's writing to the church, a very mature believer, and he is saying that I am at a place in my life, in my mature faith form, where I'm still struggling with my flesh and finding myself in sin on a consistent basis. I'm saying that to those of you who've been saved and sanctified a long time. 
Don't feel bad because you still got some issues. Don't allow your don't allow the enemy to hold over your head that you're not perfect because we're all in the process of being perfected. Now, let me throw this in here. Don't say that because I'm a work in progress that 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 gives you a license to stay stuck where you've been. Right. There ought to be some static improvement that lets you know you are on the Lord's side. You can't keep hearing sermons and worshiping God and loving him and reading your Bible. And there's no adjustment, no change at all. But the truth of the matter is when I realize that I cannot win this battle in and of myself, the law is going to convict me every time. Then I get to the point where I understand I need a savior. That was my sermon this past Sunday. I'm thinking about preaching it again because I really, really need a savior. Nah, it's just fine. We're moving on. ALC members, this coming week, it'll be another sermon topic, but still in our freshman orientation series. But we needed a savior because of our nature. Because sin is in my nature, I'm like that dude off the movie Life. I can't get right. Uh, no, no matter how hard I try, I find myself taking a couple of steps forward, getting knocked a, a couple of steps back. So here it is. We need grace for our goof ups. I'm going to close with this thought. Um, maybe a year ago, I got gum on my car. I don't know how it got there. I walked out of the office. Um, and, you know, sometimes it probably be church haters, you know, people at your own church who will gum the pastor's car. No, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Anyway, I come out and there's gum on the driver's door. Uh, so my first thought is, oh, that's nasty. And so I try to scrape it off with what I could and it left some residue. So my next step was to go to the car wash. I'd go to the car wash, drive through the car wash and it didn't come off. From that time on, I, I've hand washed the car. Um, I, I've tried some little, you know, suggestions that people gave me, and nothing worked. It kind of left a, a residue of the gum for almost a year. One day, I go into the auto parts store and I ask them because somebody told me, "Well, you know, they make stuff that remove gum." So I go in and I ask for it, and the guy points me in the direction of some stuff. That I think it was called like. Um, uh, goo off or something like that it has some weird name so I go and I come back to the office I apply it and I go by the directions I don't want you to miss this because sometimes uh, we apply products that are ineffective because we don't do it according to the directions and so I follow the directions on the bottle it required for me to have a damp towel to leave it for a little minute I come back out and the gum that had been through numerous car washes, the gum that had experienced manual washes, the gum that had withstood home remedies and suggestions came off in a matter of seconds. It was interesting because what it, re what it caused me to realize is that this goo-off was strong enough. Every other alternative that I used simply wasn't strong enough to remove the stain. My Lord. And so I've learned that when sin is the case, 12-step uh, programs are good, but they won't be strong enough. Uh, support, uh, your personal desire, resolutions, all those things are good, but they won't be strong enough. You need a Savior. <laughs> you need blood that is strong enough to get the goo of sin off of your life, to remove the stain, to take the taste out of your mouth. And in those moments and seasons where you fall and falter and fail anyhow God's blood is able to wash us white as snow 
That's my word today for those of you who, like me, are bipolar believers. Anyway, that's my free rant. If you were blessed in any way, holler back at your boy one time. And I'm going to move into the next segment, which is our free valuations. Free valuations. That's me talking. Now I want you to give me some feedback. Uh, let's let's discuss kind of what I was just mentioning. And I want to ask you this question. How do you determine what is of the world versus hearing and obeying God? Like uh, there are a lot of things in our contemporary culture that are just counter to the word of God. And the world is making the world right. And so how do you know when you are in sin? How do you know when you're outside of God's will versus when you are being obedient to his will for your life. Go ahead and sound off real quick. If you're on Facebook Live or you are on Instagram and you want to kind of chime in the conversation, how do you know? How can you determine when you are kind of living in that gray area of what the world says? Uh, thing popped up. Oh, that's cool. It, my haircut. It came up on the thing. Oh, but it says six o'clock. Okay, I was thinking. We, I was going to say oh, we got to cut this off. I got a haircut, but anyway, uh, not yet. Uh, so, those of you who have something to say about it, how do you know? How do you determine uh, when you are kind of living outside of God's will versus uh, obeying God's will for your life? Uh, I want to say while while you're thinking, while you're responding, uh, the best way to know is to be familiar with the Word of God. I've become extremely agitated by people who call themselves Christians but don't apply themselves to knowing the scriptures. Like it's kind of whack to like be like, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't be knowing like scriptures and stuff. Like like bragging about being ignorant to the word of God. When if you really love God, you'll read his word. If you if you really care about him, if you want to live the abundant life, a whole lot of us want to be blessed. And we've got the instruction manual for being blessed. And you won't read it. You want God to just drop blessings in your lap when he's given us the blueprint of how to get there. Uh, so uh, I think we've got to be familiar with the word of God, because when you know the word of God, then you can measure the world standards up against the word. And you can determine whether or not this is something that's popular or something that's actually permissive or permitted in the word of God. So I encourage you, if you don't want to be a bipolar believer and you want to start living more in the image of who God created and called you to be, you need to read the word and you need to have somebody interpret the word for you. Be faithful to a Bible study. Those of you who just show up on Sundays for church, that's not enough. That's not enough. We don't eat once a week. And so if we want to feed our spiritual man, we've got to do so more than that one time on Sunday morning. Anybody else have anything you want to share or chime in? I just saw my Uncle Perry John on. Oh, how you, man? I don't see a pitch on your profile or nothing. I hope that's you. Uh, it's always interesting when, when people... Uh, that you wouldn't expect to have social media, jump on social media, you'd be like, hey, it's exciting, right? Anyway, that's my Uncle Perry, y'all. So uh, anybody, nobody wants to respond to that question, how do you determine uh, when you're operating in what the world validates or calls right versus what God uh, desires and expects for our lives? If not, I'll move on. The next uh, thing I want to ask you to consider is how... Do your relationships support your spiritual behavior? 
How do your relationships support your spiritual behavior? Uh, all of us have friends that pretty much whenever we around them, we going to sin. <laughs> all of us have sin friends. <laughs> that, that person that usually, you know, when you hang out with them, the next day is going to be uh, fuzzy, foggy. You said hungover. Well, I wasn't going to say hungover, but is she don't have that friend like that. Okay. So uh, I, I'm saying, you know, I got to start recording these things in sweatsuits because when I get in here, I feel like I'm wearing a hug. But then after I get to moving and talking, you know, I start sweating. But maybe that's good. Maybe I'm sweating it out. No, nah, because that seemed like I did something last night where I need some. No. Nah, uh -uh. See, see, that's how the devil try to get you. The devil try to get you that way. No. -uh. And so, so how do your relationships support your spiritual behavior? Who do you have in your life uh, that either pulls you into your bad bipolarness or your blessed bipolarness? Uh, I see Eric Townsend says, when you chase things not of God. I'm assuming that's the, that's to the first question. When you chase things that are not of God, that's good, brother Eric. Now help us to know how we know what's not of God. How do we know what's not of God? Uh, because we live in a world that basically pretty much will tell you whatever you want to do. That's that's God. Whatever feels good, you do it. Yolo. You only live once. That kind of stuff that, that makes us think that it's all about us and pleasing ourselves. So, Brother Eric, won't you let me know? Uh, help us. How do we know when we're chasing the things that are not of God? And then uh, those of you who have relationships or people in your life that affect your spiritual behavior, either, either positively or negatively, and you want to sound off on that, uh, maybe you don't want to because usually your friends are connected to you on social media and they'll know you're talking about them. You'd be like, whenever uh, I go out with such and such, you know, I can't feel my face the next day. And such and such will know <laughs> who you who you talking about. But well, that's me. All right, Brother Eric, you said correct. Yes, correct. Am I, what what's happening? Am I behind? All right. All right. Well, if if you get a chance, Brother Eric, let us know how we can know when we are chasing the things. Uh, that are not of God. Um, and then I'm going to ask you straight up, and this is probably more of a reflective question than anything. Um, you don't have to testify. But is your witness bipolar? The people around you, do they see one thing and then in the next breath see something that is contradictory or in conflict? You know, I, I, I'm going to be honest, and I've said this a million times, I can't stand when uh, people who are Christians and somebody's going to get offended and log off and that's cool. It's all right. God bless you. Uh, they write stuff, you know, post this spiritual stuff about God and this, that, and the other. And then the, the same day they cussing somebody out or being petty or, um, you know, posting pictures of them with alcohol. And, you know, I'm the type of person that believes whenever, whatever you do, that's your business. But when you, post it and you make it public then you cause people to become confused because it's like hold on you holy holy in one breath you've got a testimony of godliness in one breath but then uh in the next breath you know you acting just like the world and and what happens is sometimes people say well if that's what christians are like i don't want to be one 
if if your life is so you know tumultuous, so back and forth, so unpredictable, what what kind of God do you serve? Uh, and so I think we need to show some consistency uh, so that there's a witness. Brother Eric responded and he said, "Worshiping man, absolutely." You'll always know that you're chasing the things that are not of God when you are prioritizing worshiping man or pleasing people. Uh, because usually uh, to please people, you're going to have to walk away from God. That, that's just kind of, you know, where it works. A lot of times what people are looking for and wanting uh, will require you to step outside of his will for your life uh, to entertain some things that are of this world. Uh, so very good answer, brother. Eric, I thank you for your commentary. Uh, Carlton Wilson Jr. say he tuning in. What's up, bud? I pray everything is well with you. Uh, so I'm going to move to the next segment. It's called Free Flowers. Free Flowers. Free Flowers. Give me my flowers. I tried to find a recording of the song so that I could sing it, but I couldn't. Uh, wow. <laughs> Listen, that's because I'm I'm Baptist. I grew up a church boy. I had a good conversation this week with somebody who was asking, you know, are you really Baptist? You don't be seeming very Baptist. And I'm 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 a Christian. I'm a kingdom man. But if I had to put a a a, a not a band-aid, I almost said a band-aid. If I had to put a label on my denominational distinctions and doctrine, then I am Baptist. Uh, but I believe in the Holy Spirit, the works of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the whole nine. Um, and so, yeah. How did I get to that? To my Baptist declaration. Because I was singing, give me my flower. Because there's some songs that you don't even know unless you grew up Baptist. And I, I'm finding that out. There were songs that we sung every Sunday. And then there would be other people who grew up in church, but they weren't Baptist. So they don't know nothing about it. I'd be like, oh, you don't know that. But I'm Baptist. Speaking of being a good Baptist today, I'm giving flowers to literally one of my homiletical heroes, um, heroes in the faith. Listen, um, I am blessed because my favorite preacher in the entire world is alive and um, he knows my name, like like literally. And so today I'm giving some flowers to uh, Dr. Reverend Dr. Pastor F.D. Sampson. Uh, some of you may not know him. Uh, some of you might. He is definitely a nationally known, uh, sought after pulpiteer and evangelist. Um, I was exposed to Dr. Sampson at a very early age. I started preaching at the age of eight. And I would go to the Baptist convention uh, with my church. And in the summer, uh, we would go to these classes at the convention. And because I was a, a young preacher at that time, they had a young minister's class. And the teacher uh, for a couple of years for that class was Pastor F.D. Sampson. And I can remember at that time uh, him teaching uh, just kind of the basics of how to dissect and handle a text and, and then talked about, you know, being a minister of the gospel, not just behind the pulpit, but what the life of the minister had to look like. And at such a very early age, he impacted uh, my life and my pursuit of ministry. And then later on, 
in the years to come, he would come every year uh, to the Mount Sinai Church to do our revival. As a matter of fact, he still does. And uh, just listening to him, he has a very unique gift where he'll read a passage and say, I am to talk to you about three words. And he'll pick out three words out of the passage and then, you know, for the next 25, 30 minutes, commence to wear you out in the word uh, concerning <laughs> those three words. Uh, and he has a gift that has often been imitated but never duplicated. He is the proud fifth pastor of the Friendship Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. He's the fifth pastor because now uh, my brother, my friend and my brother, uh, F.D., uh, son is the sixth pastor. Friendship is a great church in Houston. I had a privilege to be with them uh, for Thanksgiving worship uh, this past Thanksgiving. Uh, and so I just love that family. As a matter of fact, the, the Samsons, uh, the Samson family in general, have been a tremendous blessing to me uh, from a distance and up close. Uh, to know them is to love them. Uh, he serves as a treasurer of the National Baptist Convention of America. He's the CEO and founder of Visions of Faith Ministries, and he is absolutely, by far, unequivocally, my favorite preacher in the entire world. I've said it to him. He knows it. Anybody who knows me knows it. Um, and this year for my pastoral anniversary, uh, Dr. Sampson took the time to send a video. I don't know who reached out to him. Y'all, did y'all reach out to him? Y'all contacted him? Ro did. Ro did. Ro, thank you. Uh, reached out to Dr. Sampson and he sent a, a video of encouragement and like that was probably one of the major highlights of the week. So, Dr. Sampson, I've said to you a million times, but I'm saying it on the air um, and you may not uh, even hear this, but anyone who knows Dr. Sampson, you tell him Deshar Freeman was giving him flowers and accolades and respect and encouragement for just being an awesome man of God that has stood the test of time and, I mean, can still do it, like, better than anybody that I know. Talking about VFD Sampson. Take these flowers, Pastor Sampson. Free, Free flowers. So we have come to the conclusion of our um, agenda, but I want to know if there are any Ask Pastor Free questions. And we check the inboxes to see if there are any questions. Brother Eric responded a little a little more, and he said, I preach and teach the law, and many Christians don't like to be around me. My circle is very small. Man, I hear you. Uh, the truth of the matter is the people of God don't like the truth. Um, and sometimes uh, we have made following Christ such a very soft uh, and easy thing. Um, but the law of God is still very much so in effect and an expectation for God's people, and grace does not excuse it. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, the word of God says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And so the truth of the matter is, brother, I know what it's like to be in some intense conversations and even to be shunned and devalued because um, of preaching and teaching God's law. Uh, so, anybody have any questions? Anybody want to drop a question in the comment section real quick that I can respond to? Um, on Instagram, you can do that as well. Now, I'm not keeping up as well over here, so I haven't been moving it. Well, I guess it moves on its own. Okay, cool. Does anybody want to ask a question real quick before we move to prayer? No? 
Um, this Sunday, for members of ALC, we will be in part three of our series, Freshman Orientation. And I've been excited because all year long we've been having this kind of school theme, a back-to-school theme, and we've been having recess. We've been having recess. The first week we played kickball out in the field, and then last week we played basketball. Uh, it really doesn't matter who wins or who loses, but I haven't been losing. Um, and I just want that to be known that I'm victorious in the Lord. As a matter of fact, we've played four games total, and I think I'm 4-0, and oh, I believe. We didn't lose no basketball, and we didn't lose any kickball. Sierra, you don't look pleased. Were you on my basketball team? Oh, actually, I've never been a team captain. You were the team captain the first week. I don't encourage anybody. I don't want. I don't want to sway. <laughs> wow. Okay. So Sierra is is sitting in the studio and she's a little salty because if I'm four and oh, that means you're oh. If I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know what? I didn't see any questions. We don't have any questions, right? Look at Carlton talking about no, she wasn't. <laughs> now, now Carlton, <laughs> see, this our conversation. You might be getting yourself in a little little trouble now. <laughs> she got something to say. I'm gonna let her have. I'm gonna let her have her way. Um, all right. So we're about to go ahead and close with prayer. Um, I trust and and hope that our discussion, our time has been helpful, hopeful, beneficial to you. And uh, I'll be back on here next Friday for another Free Indeed Friday podcast. Um, and, you know, one day I'm going to do a podcast and Martin's face is going to change. It's going to, no, that would be, that would be scary. Like, first of all, I would run out of here. <laughs> you know, um, it resurfaced the, it was a YouTube that came to me. And I'd actually heard this theory before that Martin Luther King was not, he didn't die from a gunshot wound. Y'all ever heard that? Yeah, there is a, um, actually one of the lawyers in the case that has kind of, and not really recent because I heard it before, but supposedly like he was like smothered to death in the hospital because he was not dead. Um, now, of course, I don't know how true it is, but I have, you know, it's something that was stated some time ago. And uh, I'll find a YouTube link and send it to y'all. But yeah, huh? His day is Monday. You know what? Look how see how the spirit works. All in that. No, Monday is MLK Day, and that's not just a day that you don't have to go to work. Let's spend some time, uh, you know, remembering the dreamer. A lot of the way we live life in contemporary society. Uh, can be tied to the work that Dr. King and many others like him did to fight for civil rights and equality. And so uh, I'm grateful uh, to be able to stand on the shoulders of a great man of God who did not do all his work in the pulpit, but also did what he could to change the lives of people. And so Monday, you know what? I've really been praying about it. I don't want to say it live because then I might be bound to it. But I'm thinking about getting up and taking my family to the march. We haven't gone in a couple of years because I usually sleep in. Uh, but however we do, we sit our kids down and make them watch MLK movies. <laughs> and, they, and they just be like, oh. Because they all like old and black and white and, you know, not in high def. 
So maybe, you know, we're going to take it a step further. Yep, Coretta sued. The, okay, Gabriel Henley said uh, Coretta sued the government and won. Okay, and somebody liked it or hearted it. <laughs> so, so, so that must be, come on, come on, come through, Gabe. Chef G. You know what I'm saying? He said, I don't just cook. I know some history. That's what I'm talking about. Big ups to you, Gabriel Henley. Um, I'm about to close us out with a word of prayer. If you can, bow. If you got time to bow, then do so. If not, uh, whatever posture of prayer you assume uh, is cool with me. If you have prayer petitions and prayer requests, you can drop it in the comment section. You can send it to the inbox and I'll try to remember those uh, prayer petitions in my personal time of prayer. But let's look to the Lord together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity to call on your name. And we thank you, Lord God, uh, that you are God, that beside you there is none. And we lift our hearts and our hands, our thoughts to you. Uh, knowing that you are the author and the finisher of our faith and this world. And Father God, we know that we cannot make it without you. So before we ask you for anything, we thank you for everything. Thank you for life and health and strength. And thank you for fellowship and family and friends. And thank you for opportunities. Thank you, Lord God, for the manifold blessings you've bestowed on our lives. We know we don't deserve it. You haven't blessed us because we deserve to be blessed. You did. You've blessed us because you're good and because you're gracious and you're merciful. So for that, God, we say thank you. Father, I come asking right now in the name of Jesus that this podcast, this, this time spent has been beneficial to the hearer. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that seeds that have been sown of encouragement and positivity and your word would take deep root in your heart, in our hearts, Lord God, that cause somebody to be in a better place uh, with you because they spent an hour with Pastor Free. Father God, I pray now, especially concerning this word about being bipolar believers, that it would resonate within us. And we realize that as good as we may want to be, there's still some bad in us. And as bad as we may be, there's still some good in us. And that good is because of the spirit of God that lives within us. And Father, we thank you for a savior whose blood blots out all of our transgressions, who forgives us for uh, our worst mistakes. Lord, we are grateful just to know that there's not a sin we can commit that you can't forgive. There's not a mistake that we can make that you can't cover. So, Father, we glory in you. We give you honor and praise. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. And, Father, I just pray that you would help us. Allow your spirit to guide us, to order our steps. Allow your word to be a light to our feet, a lamp to our pathway, to lead us in, in living a life that is more consistent a life that looks more like the reflection of your son. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for those who may articulate any type of prayer request on any of our social media platforms. You know what they are. You know families that have lost loved ones. You know couples that are going through divorce. 
you know, parents that are raising children uh, with special circumstances. Father, you, you know uh, those who are in financial straits. Lord, you know those who are dealing with division uh, in organizations and in families and even in churches. I, I pray a special prayer for those who you've called to shepherd your people, the weight, the mantle, Lord God, that many have literally buckled under the pressure of. I pray that you would strengthen that you would encourage. I pray, Father, against any spirit that is not like you that would come to attack your people. I claim that we are victorious. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We're lenders and not borrowers. So, Father, I declare and I decree all of the righteousness, all of the favor, all of the blessings of God over your people. Lord, allow us to abide under an open heaven, that we ask these things by faith and we are given them because we ask. And, Lord God, when you choose not to give, it's because it's in our best interest and give us the type of faith to accept what you allow and what you decide. Lord, allow us to cling to you as a child to a father, knowing that you are our protector, you are our provider, you are our keeper. And Lord, apart from you, we are nothing. We can do nothing. Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer where we can lay our hearts bare before you. We can ask for you to speak to us. And Lord God, I want to give you that moment before I close out. I want to just give you a moment. We, we've asked you for some things. We put some petitions on the table. And Lord God, some of what we've been asking you for, you're ready to give it. All we've got to do is align ourselves with what you are saying to us. But Lord, we're so busy trying to do it that we're not attentive to your directions on how. So Father, we give you a moment just to speak to our spirit. just to allow your word to become flesh. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray and we ask these things by faith. Amen and thank God. Family, thank you so much for spending uh, some time with uh, your boy, Pastor Free. I saw while we were praying, Gary Mays got on here. Gee, what's happening, bud? I haven't had a chance to talk with you lately. I hope you are mending well. Um, last time you were here, you were uh, recovering from an injury, so I hope you are well. Uh, those of you who are music lovers, gospel music lovers, I push this guy till the day I die because he just dope like that. Gary Mays and New Era. If you can find his music on online, you'll do yourself uh, real good to rock some of that G Mays in your ear. Anyway, it's Pastor Free, Free and D Friday. I love you, podcast. Whoever you are, and there's nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. It feel good. Nothing. There's nothing you can do about it. Ah, I love it.